Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Edgman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. We wanted to end the year with some of the things we've learned throughout 2023. We love reflecting, taking notes of the things we've accomplished, failed at, and things we want to do better in the new year. So this episode is all about that. But before we get started, our money wins and losses, Tash. I'm very excited. I loved Milkrum when I lived in Sydney for a little bit and it's finally come to Canberra. They had an offer I saw on Ausbargain. Ausbargain is so good for finding deals where you got 5,000 Woolworths rewards points, which is worth like $25. You can swap 2,000 points for a $10 credit on your shop, which is great. And they also had free delivery and $10 off. So I feel like I save lots of money, which is exciting. Oh, I just signed up again for the everyday rewards through. Yes. Yes, because they had a deal during Black Friday, was it? Or was that when it was? Yeah. And it was only $3 a month, whereas before it was $7. They did like a big outrage a while ago. I don't know if you saw, but they said that you couldn't use their discounts for online. So a lot of people were upset, especially parents as as I was, which is why I canceled because I wasn't able to receive, um, do online orders, which is really important when you have kids. So now I signed up again and we'll see how we go. Yeah. I'm doing sponsored content for them on Instagram, little disclaimer, but yeah, it's $35 for the year at the moment. But even then it's $70 for the year normally. So if you save at least $7 a month, like it's worth it and you get 10% off a big W shop. So I did a big book shop the other day and saved like $15, which is very exciting. Oh, great. My money win was I got a mortgage interest rate reduction by just asking my broker. So it went from 6.14 to 6.09. Not a huge amount of savings, but better in my pocket than the bank. So that's that. Did you ask your broker or the bank? I asked the broker because we just deal with the broker because we're coming slowly to the end of our other part that's fixed. 
Um, so we have part of our mortgage fixed, part of it is invariable and it's coming to an end. So we, uh, just were dealing with our broker and they broke the deal. <laughs> Amazing. Ask your broker. I love that better than being on hold with the bank for hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. And we asked earlier this year too. So I think maybe six or eight months ago. So the fact that we got another one, I'm pretty stoked in, in one year, it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, definitely. When I have a book recommendation as well. I read a book called Pineapple Street the other day, and this was the foreword when I opened the book. Foreword is the thing that goes at the front of the book, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It said, millennials will be the recipients of the largest generational shift of assets in American history, which is called the great wealth transfer. Tens of trillions of dollars are expected to pass between generations in the next decade. And then this book was all about this family who had a lot of generational wealth and the kind of problems it was causing for them. So they had a younger daughter who wanted to donate it all completely. Um, One of the sons married someone who wasn't part of the same financial bracket, I guess, and the difficulties she had becoming part of that family and the different beliefs they had. So yeah, it was very, it's very interesting read. It's a fiction book. It's quite fun, but I liked the comment on wealth and class and how that still works today. I think fiction does such a good way of illustrating classism because it's something that doesn't maybe get discussed as nuanced in nonfiction, you know, like it's usually stats. So seeing it in fiction really kind of illustrates that as well. So I'm going to have to read yeah. this book. There was such a good one, the new Trent Dalton, Dalton one as well. Um, he was commenting, it was about people who were homeless in Brisbane, but he just did such a good job of like, you were really involved in the story. And then he was kind of commenting on the Olympics coming to Brisbane and how that was hurting where a lot of people were sleeping and they were trying to make them move, but there was nowhere for them to go. I just think it was done so well were you like so excited by the story and then in the middle he was making these bigger comments and it was just so well done yeah well you saw that a lot in vancouver we had the olympics in 2010 and a lot of displacement was happening with people living in the downtown east side which has a lot of poverty drugs and so forth and yeah you saw the city transform in that way so it'll be interesting to see what happens in brisbane as well yeah not having these forgotten people so anyway read lola and pineapple street both very good books great recommendations so we're going to kick off this episode talking about the 10 things we've learned this year. We're going to start with number 10, realizing that freedom can mean different things. So I quit my job this year in April to become self-employed full-time, which has been a bit of a journey, but it's definitely helped me realize that I can get the freedom feeling from working for myself rather than needing to invest lots and quitting together. When I first started getting interested in finances and investing, I loved the idea of fire and financial independence and retiring early. But the longer I get along my journey, the more I realize that I really like working and I need to work as well and that I can build that fun retired feeling almost now, but just doing the work that I love. Yeah. I feel the same way. I, this year was all about being on parental leave. And even though I did some work for Perler, which is where I'm employed at, I was still working on passion projects that could potentially bring in money. I I wrote a book, um, hopefully royalties come in from that, but these were the other things that I was doing on the side. And I realized that for me, freedom was having flexibility, having flexibility to spend time with my kids, being able to juggle my passion projects while also bringing in money. And it's completely changed from before where it was like hustle, hustle, save, invest, retire early. Now I'm just doing it at a slower pace and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And figuring out what you enjoy along the way. I think it's really easy to get distracted and be like this thing in the future, this magical time in the future, rather than taking the time to figure out what you like now. Just quitting my job as well has been a big lesson and going from working and being really busy externally to all of a sudden being able to manage my own time. So it's been an interesting journey trying to 
build my own schedule and enjoying the flexibility, but also feeling like I have structure in my days as well. But yeah, we're getting there slowly. I think that comes with a caveat of the fact that we can change our definition of freedom and what that means for us due to the fact that we have been investing, due to the fact that we have an emergency fund and have financial backing to support us in this space. I think it would be a completely different story if I had no savings and you know didn't have that security. Do you agree? Yes, definitely. Like I had a lot of money saved. I already had work lined up because I've been doing this stuff on the side for a few years anyway. Like we were starting the podcast, I had sponsored content lined up. So I definitely had that safety net there. But I also feel like working for yourself is really glorified as well. And a lot more people are talking about the negatives now, but it's not always the best thing ever. Sometimes I look at OT jobs paying like a hundred thousand dollars a year in Canberra. I'm like, wow, that sounds quite nice, but no, there's perks to this too. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot. I like, Mm -hmm. I've always liked having a job where I can leave, go away on holiday. Don't have to check email. Don't have to be stressed. Whereas working for yourself, I have friends who work for themselves and watching them having to juggle clients and time and not being able to take time off or constantly being checking their emails and so forth can be really stressful. But, um, yeah, going, going back to, to that, making those decisions when you do have the security makes it so much easier. So if, if you're at the beginning of your journey, hopefully you can get there as well, but freedom does mean different things for different people. And this goes into number nine, knowing your overall goal is the same, even though your journey may change. So obviously quitting my job this year and working for myself, I've had a lower income and my monthly investments have changed. So in 2022, I invested $4,642 a month, but in 2023, I invested an average of $1,913 a month. So less than half, but I feel like I've done a lot of other stuff this year. We started a podcast. I quit my job. I moved. I live in Canberra now, which is exciting. And I feel like life has just been a bit more expensive this year. Yeah. That's a huge difference. And similarly to you, it's, it's, my goal is still the same. I still want to pay off my house. I still want to invest. I still want to have financial security for my family but I'm getting there slower, right? I don't have as much money coming in. I'm not working full time. I have only invested the dividends that have come in and some additional cash that I had from paid work that I did outside of my job at Perler. And so I think this year I've invested a total of maybe $5,000. Like if that, I'd probably say closer to 2000, which is can be a lot for a lot of people. And that's just where I am in my life right now. And as you've said, our goal is still potentially very similar and the same. It's just the journey of getting there is going to be a bit different when the cost of living has gone up, when you switch jobs, when you take a parental leave. Life. Life. Yes, life. life. I think it can be a bit disheartening as well when you go from investing a lot and then you drop a little bit and it feels like you're going backwards. But overall, like we're not going backwards, we're still moving forwards. We're just doing other things in the meantime. It's like success. It's not linear, right? And if we think it's linear, you know, in the same way that you think if you're going to get the exact same return each year from investments, life is not like that. You might have to take a pay cut sometimes. You might have to take leave. You might have to invest less. And that's okay because success is not linear. It's up and down and up and down and down and down and up. (laughs) And taking risks for things that don't pay off straight away as well. Like this podcast, for example, I don't get paid for. We haven't put ads on the podcast yet, so I haven't made money from it. And it's taken up a lot of time this year. Um, And I could have gone and gotten a job and just got paid my hourly rate instead. But the potential here is it could make more money next year and it could lead to other opportunities. Like we got 
and offer to write a book from this podcast as well, which has been great, which will have other benefits, but seeing things in a slightly different light and not just looking for that immediate return straight away on my time. Which brings us to number eight, why an emergency fund is so important. I don't think anything that we've done this year could have happened had we not had some security and an emergency fund is absolutely crucial in that situation. For me, I had to fly back to Canada. I had a very sick family member that I needed to go to. I was also on parental leave and I extended my parental leave due to that trip and due to life. Had I not had that money in the bank, had I not considered it ahead of time that I needed money in my emergency fund, I wouldn't have been able to do either of those things. So making sure our own oxygen mask is on us before we do other more risky things is absolutely important. That's such a good point about the oxygen mask. Um, I think I had something similar as well, like flights to Perth aren't nearly as expensive as flights to Canada, um, but I had a close family friend who passed away. So I spent a lot more time back in Perth, just spending time with my friends and also going back for the funeral too. And yeah, being able to just spend a thousand dollars on flights to go back for that week was really nice without having to stress about it and think about it too much. So having an emergency fund is so important. Number seven, planning for parenthood is absolutely necessary. So this leads back into this last comment in terms of emergency fund. But this year I wrote a book. It's called Kids Ain't Cheap. And the big thing that I realized over and over again is that planning for parenthood is so important. Um, anything you kind of do in your life, if you could do financial planning ahead of time, it's so important. I've reached out to a lot of parents who told different stories. I've had them reach out to me saying that some of them are actually planning on when to have kids based on the tax implications of the time, which is crazy. But how cool is that, that people can be empowered enough to make decisions based on knowing all of the information? I know for me that when when we found out that we were pregnant, I we just bought a house that week. I ended up selling a bunch of shares to help for the down payment of the house. I was then in a higher tax bracket. And because of that, I wasn't able to get paid parental leave from the government. I had to pay full price for childcare subsidy. The rules have changed since. So those numbers have changed in terms of what happens. But had I known that information, I would have been maybe more empowered to make the right decisions for our family. So going back to this comment, if if you're planning for any type of parenthood, it is absolutely important to think about your finances. Buy the book. It's worth it. I'm not planning to have kids anytime soon. And I'm kind of in the financial space. So I hear things, but I learned so much from this book as well. Like one of the big ones was that twins are treated as one child in terms of payments and stuff, which I yeah, think is pretty birth. wild. So if you're having twins... Ah, lots of planning needed. And also the fatherhood, was it benefit? What was yeah, that Yeah, the one? fatherhood bonus. Yeah. Bonus. So unfortunately, stats show that fathers increase their income by 6% for each child that they have because they're usually seen as being more competent, having to support their family. These are biases that play out in the workforce, whereas there's a motherhood penalty where women earn about 5% less due to being seen as maybe less committed or distracted. And these are biases, unconscious biases that happen in the workplace that um, I'd love to see us overcome. <laughs> overcome yes. Because it's so wild. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not true, right? It's not true. Mm -hmm. So, And the other thing I learned lots about was early childhood education. That was crazy. I didn't realize how complex it was and all the stuff you need to know. So if you're planning on having kids, definitely research that a little bit too. Like it's just, there's so much that goes into it. All of the financial things that we didn't know we need to know, right? No, it's crazy. Oh, but going into number six, knowing your worth. 
Um, I've had, it's been an interesting time going from working for a company to then working for myself. Cause now I kind of do lots of freelance or independent stuff, for lots of different companies. And I've definitely had a lot of them try and take advantage. I've been underpaid. I've been paid four months late. Um, companies have tried to pressure me into extra things we didn't agree to or that weren't in the contract either. I was even asked to speak about gender inequality for free at a massive company as well. So lots of interesting things this year. That last one blows my mind mm-hmm. to be asked to come and take time out of your day to have a presentation on gender inequality, but to do it for free is is like, mm-hmm. is so contradictory to me. And they had like six people copied into this email chain. So I was paying six people to use their time to try and email me about this event. And then they asked me to be generous with my time and tried to almost guilt me into it by being like, oh, this person was generous with their time. So maybe like you could be generous with yours as well. This is a big for-profit company. Like they definitely aren't struggling with the funds to run this. Yeah. Just interesting. Know your worth is such an important topic for me as well, because I I talk quite a bit about negotiating your wage, increasing your income and doing that as a job, right? Like I don't have a side business. I don't have, I like, this is my life. My life is my, my job that I put a lot of effort in. And sometimes it's really hard, especially if we're talking about women, women, often it's argued that women don't negotiate their wage or that they don't try to push forward to, to get a, an increase or so forth. And that's actually not true. Women often do, but again, because biases in the workforce are that like come into play around gender, they're often just not compensated in the same way as, as male counterparts. So that this is something that I feel passionate about. And this year was a year where I really did think about my worth and my time because I don't have a lot of time. I'm a parent. I'm doing this podcast. I'm working. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a second book. For me, it's all about my time. And if I'm giving you my time, that really means that like it's it's worth it. And so please don't waste it is how I've been thinking a lot in terms of that as well. Um, I can vouch for how busy you've been. I'm so impressed (laughs) by all the stuff that you've been doing. You are so productive. It's incredible. But it it is one of those things that us as us as individuals and as I get older, I value my time more more and I think about my worth more. And um, and we've talked about this, Tash, a lot in terms of pay transparency and how important that is as well. I think Tash and I have talked a lot about even speaking engagements and how much do people charge because it then enables us to be more equal, to talk about gender equality, to talk about you know pay transparency. And um, yeah, that's, that's something that has been a big learning thing, I think, for both of us this year. Definitely. Even in my job that I worked at the start of the year, um, I asked for a a pay rise, a bigger starting salary. So initially they offered me, I think it was 75,000. And then I asked for 80 or 85,000. I can't remember the exact numbers. And then I found out no one else had tried to negotiate really that I'd spoken to. So even just having those conversations in the workplace seemed to help a lot. Um, Cause a lot of people think in healthcare, you can't negotiate your salary, but a lot of healthcare companies are for profit these days. So you probably can. That is a very good point. Mm-hmm. Number five, taking opportunities when they come. We got a very good opportunity. I think it was the middle of this year. Um, a publisher reached out, asking if he wanted to write a book. And Anna, you just written your book. So you were a bit like, oh no. Yeah, it, it is interesting because I think a lot about opportunities. And when I was younger, I had a lot of time. So I would say yes, 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 yes to everything. And as I've gotten older, I don't say yes to everything. I really think about the opportunities that come to play. And Tash knows this, like I just finished a book. I was exhausted from writing. A part of me was like, oh, to write another book. That's so no. much work. But then on the other side is that I love working with Tash. I do love writing. Um, yes, I would have loved to have written this book in six months time, but <laughs> opportunities come and 
we know what we're capable of and we know what those best opportunities are. If there's a gut feeling inside for me often when I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't think this is beneficial. I know it's not the right thing. And, um, and other times you're like, this is the right thing. I'm just, I need mm-hmm. a break, <laughs> which was the case. It's you, you take the opportunities. So I think for both of us, we've realized like we want to take the opportunities that align with what we believe in and what we want to do. I think this comes back to quitting my job as well. Like I really liked working and I really liked working in healthcare and I really liked the job I was working, but I kind of had to take the opportunity now while we were starting the podcast, my social media was doing well to just give it all of my effort and see what came of it. Um, cause OT will always be there, but finance, social media might not. And also with the book as well, I didn't think I ever wanted to write a book. I was always like, oh, that's so much effort. But when the opportunity just kind of landed nicely in our laps, like we couldn't really say no. Like writing with you is a lot easier than writing by myself. We knew what we wanted to write. It's a lot easier than if I was coming up with it by myself. But definitely the first thought was like, ah, a book. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But here we are. And again, I think this is another situation where it's like, if you have the financial support, if you have those, that emergency fund, sometimes taking those opportunities of risk, because there, there might, nothing might come from this. We might write a book and everyone's like, we don't want to read it or, or buy it, <laughs> you know, like it's a massive risk for us as well. But, you know, being able to choose, pick and choose that stuff often comes with that financial security as well. Yeah. And even just acknowledging we did get a bit of an advance as well, which helps a lot too, like knowing that we would get rewarded a little bit for our time for the book as well helps a lot. And for people who don't know what an advance is, it's an advance on the royalties. So that means that on the sales of the book, it's not like in addition to. Yeah. So it's like the publisher takes a bit of a risk by prepaying you royalties that you haven't earned yet technically, but it helps the author write the book. Yeah. Number four, health is wealth. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Some of the health things I've invested in. Recently, this week, actually, I bought a walking pad, which I'm very excited about. Um, when I used to visit my parents, they had a treadmill and I really enjoyed walking on the treadmill and reading, but I don't have one where I live now. So I bought a walking pad, which is very exciting. Um, I also bought 50 Pilates classes when they were on special. Um, it was like five, $600 to buy them all, but uh, it worked out to only $11, $12 a class each. And I find if I'm just going individually to classes, I sometimes don't want to go because they're a bit expensive. So being able to prepay for them kind of removes that decision and I need know that I need to use them. And also I've been basing more social things on things like rock climbing and coffee walks and doing more active stuff with my friends so I can be active while also seeing people. For me, health as wealth has gone down the drain. I That was your I, goal. I remember it last was, year. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was my number one goal. I, 
I often set goals up um, at the beginning of the year. I often look back at my accomplishments at the end of the year. And the one thing I wanted this year was to focus on my health. That was the big thing. Like postpartum, uh, you're just in a completely different place when <laughs> when you've had a baby basically annihilate your body. Um, there's, there's a lot of things I wanted to look after. But unfortunately, it really went out the drain. Like I said, I was really, really stressed because I had to go back to Canada. I had a family member who was sick. It made me then go and get all the doctor checks that I wanted to do to just double check. You know, often we neglect ourselves in the sense that we don't go to the doctors and do do the things and do the blood work and, and do all those tests. I did do that part, but the part that I neglected was my sleep due to stress, what I was eating. Um, I'm al- I've always been an active person, but I didn't actively invest in working out or exercising. I do chase little people around. I, I was telling Tash at the beginning of the show, I, I walk like four to five kilometers a day, just chasing little humans around the house and sorting things. <laughs> but, but I have neglected my health and I realize how important that is because once your health is gone, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, really health is wealth. I felt this a little bit more as well, like working full-time with social media now, how much it impacts me spending a lot more time online and not having that separation and trying to find ways to separate it out a little bit. And also just traveling a lot. Like I don't exercise that much when I travel. I'm eating more ham and cheese toasties on the plane. I'm not eating as well. I'm getting more Uber Eats. So trying to balance out the fun of traveling while also sticking to a routine and making more healthy choices. I just want to comment on your thing about social media. I have spent way too much time the past little while um, due to being an avid follower of the news and what's happening in the world. And that has done a number on my mental health. And especially when you feel helpless or hopeless as well, Mm -hmm. trying to navigate what you as an individual can do can be really stressful. So having to balance my mental health while still wanting to be an activist is challenging. Yeah. And especially as more of our jobs become online as well, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world, like from a a personal point of view, but also a work point of view as well. It's really hard to separate stuff out and have non-online time and non-phone time and try and disconnect as well, because it's really hard to disconnect at the moment. Mm -hmm. Number three is all the ins and outs of creating a podcast. That was a big thing we learned this year. It's been a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. Um, For me, the biggest challenge has been creating in a different format. I got very used to making short, sharp TikTok videos. Um, So creating longer form content instead has been interesting, but I think it's good. I like it. We also had a really fun time focusing on what our community really would get within the first 10 episodes. That was where we spent a lot of time thinking about if you wanted to learn how to invest from step one to step a million, what what are the steps you need to take? Well, actually step 10, I guess. We have 10 episodes. That was a lot of our effort. And um, fortunately, we got a lot of great feedback. It's a great place to send people. So if you know of anyone who's learning how to invest, send them that way as well. I think it was really helpful just for me too to outline what those steps are because I kind of like dip in and out. I'm further along in my journey than some people. So it was good to go back and be like, great, what are the first 10 steps and what order do they need to be in as well? So that was quite interesting working that out with you. The other logistical thing when it comes to podcasts is just how much work they are. Everything from just like the tech setup, right? Like we, we had to get all of the equipment, which is our, our microphones, you know, and just for context, if anyone's interested in what we use, we use a USB mini road mic. We have a road arm on our desk. We have a Joby tripod and a, and a Joby ring light for our video content. We usually use our iPhones for cameras because we realized that the Sony cameras we had weren't uh, producing really good video 
for for her YouTube channel. We just didn't have the right cords. Apparently you need HD cords. Who knew? All of this stuff. So it really took a long time to get everything set up from the beginning. And then the other side of it is the editing side, which neither of us do. We have an amazing editor. Shout out to Adam. It is a lot of work and usually the biggest cost when it comes to podcasting. I know a lot of people do it by themselves as well. We're we're really fortunate that we, we have someone else doing it, but it is a lot of work even regardless of that. Yeah. And when you see a podcast, it's like, oh, they just like spoke for an hour. It takes an hour, but it's all the planning beforehand and like planning all the episodes and what order they're going to be in, organizing interviews with people, organizing just everything, recording it. And then afterwards doing the work as well, reading through the show notes, deciding on a title. Like it's a big process. I understand why it's a lot of people's full-time jobs. Yeah. But we love that we're doing this. We love the community. We love the feedback that we're getting and please keep it, keep it coming because in the new year, we're very excited to make an even a better podcast. So um, yes. thank you for I've all your support. Yeah. Yay. Uh, number two, you can always change your investing strategy. Anna, how has yours changed? It has changed a lot. I owned a property in Canada and being a Canadian and all, and I never expected to sell this property. I never really thought about it and so forth. And at one point, because I'm on parental leave, my partner said to me, what are you planning on doing with that property? And because of the, t- the way the taxes are done in Australia, you are taxed on your world income because I'm a, I'm an Australian citizen now and live here, a permanent resident. And because of that, I realized, hey, you know what? This would be a really good year to sell my property because any of the income that I get from that, would this is the year that I'm making the least money. So I sold my property and just thinking about that was an emotional decision for me because this was my first home. I thought I would live here for live there for a long time, live there for a while, came to Australia and so forth. So my investing strategy has changed in the fact that I got rid of something that I really loved and brought me an income in order to kind of create security for my life. Now, we have a home in Australia, we have a massive mortgage. And the way that I thought about it was if I sell that property, I can offset a part of my mortgage here in Australia. And because part of it is fixed and part of it is variable, the variable side is now fully offset. We're going to come off the fixed at some time soon in the future. So any leftover money that I had, I put in a high interest savings account. It's making money on the side. So I'm getting income from that. And then eventually when we roll off the fixed, I'll throw it back into the offset account. And the only reason I'm I'm sharing all this is because there's so many different ways to think about money. There's so many different things that you can do and they change at any given time. And had I not sold the property, this would not have changed my strategy. So yeah, so going back to that, a big part is about the financial security around my house, paying off that mortgage, but also I've just been investing less. And because we've run the numbers and the math, it makes way more sense to put money in our offset account because it is offsetting the 6% plus of my mortgage. I'm not getting any income, so I'm not getting taxed on that. And it is a guaranteed savings, especially because mortgages are front-loaded, which means that you're paying the most interest at the beginning of your mortgage life. So if I were to do this further down in my mortgage, let's say at year 20, it wouldn't be as impactful as it is in those first couple of years, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's really big. Um, I think a big realization for me recently was knowing that you don't have to pay tax on that 6%. So if you put money in a savings account and you earn 5 or 6%, it's then taxed. So really your return is only 3%, for example. But paying the interest off your mortgage, you're saving that full 
6%. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of it, right? Um, that is the ins and outs of investing to consider, should I invest? Yes. Should I put it in a savings account? Should I put it in an offset account? And it is hard because there's not one answer. Like when we were running the numbers and I'm really fortunate that I have a partner who is as invested. I love hearing about this and the spreadsheet and all the different options. I want a partner who does that. Yeah, yeah. So my partner is an engineer and a total nerd and I love it. Um, and he created a whole spreadsheet that ran the numbers of how much money we would have in our offset and how much that would save us over the long term instead of if we invested it. And then the other side of it, which is further down the line, is when we debt recycle, which is a whole other topic that we haven't really discussed on the podcast. But that's essentially when you're using debt to invest. Yes. More exciting things to come. More exciting but yeah, things to come. Like the yeah. fun spreadsheet answers, but then also like the emotional answers as well. Like selling your apartment is an emotional decision. Yeah. That would have been hard. Yeah. 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 So that was my long winded answer, <laughs> but I think it's really important to think about all of the different considerations. And this wouldn't have been the case, you know, a few years ago when I didn't own a house, the more assets I guess that you have, the more um, room there is to change your strategy along the way. Whereas, you know, if we talked even like two years ago, it, it I didn't have a house then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's lots more lots more levers to pull when you've got a mortgage and things as well yeah yeah mine has been this year more just around consolidating everything so when i first started investing i was excited and i wanted to try every platform ever so this year i spent time just trying to consolidate them so i sold out of my micro investing stuff and moved it into one broker i've still got another broker i need to move into perla but the paperwork is too annoying so we'll get to that at some point um and then i just decided to buy one diversified etf ongoing to simplify things instead of trying to buy lots of different things the goal was to make stuff just as simple as possible. Can I ask you something? When you switched over to brokers, just for anyone who's interested, did you have to pay capital gains tax? What did you do in those situations? How hard was yes. it, et cetera? Yeah. Well, with I, with the spaceship one I sold, I'd lost money when I sold it. So I kind of waited a little bit and then it dipped because um, it was in the more techie portfolio. Um, so I had a capital loss on that. And then I sold out of Vanguard Personal Investor because the paperwork to fill out was just horrendous. And I probably had a thousand dollars of capital gains in that one. So the loss from Spaceship would have offset the gains from Vanguard Personal Investor. And then I sold out of Raise as well. I think you can request a transfer from Raise, but there's a fee. But yeah, it was just easier for me. I was a bit over all the paperwork. So I just sold it. And I think it all evened out offsetting the losses and the gains that way. Um, and then with Comsec, I want to transfer to Perla, but you need to print and sign the forms yourself and then scan them back. And I haven't had a printer where I live now. So that's on the list to do, but there's so much paperwork. They make it so hard. Yeah. They don't want you to transfer out. That's no. a huge part of it. I know that that's an issue for me because I, um, so, so in all of your situations, you have some kind of capital gain loss or gain. Yeah. That yeah. are offsetting yeah. each other. Yeah. 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 And did you strategically consider what tax year you wanted to do it? Um, not really because they kind of offset each other anyway. Um, I had back when I bought those fun shares, I lost a lot of money on, I sold some of them. So I had a capital loss as well that I was carrying forward. Um, so I knew that I wanted to offset that with a capital gain at some point too. So it was more just like talking to my accountant about offsetting that with each other rather than which year to do it in. And also Spaceship had a lot of troubles this year legally. Like they had a trading halt where no one could buy or sell for three weeks. Um, I'd sold a bit before that, but there was just a few things that popped up where I was like, no, it's better just to do it now and sort it out rather than maybe having more capital gains in the future. Yeah. Cause I transferred from self-wealth to Perler like a couple of years ago. And that was, again, you had to like sign the paperwork, but it wasn't complex or difficult at all. I think I just made it difficult having so many different platforms with different ownerships. Like if it was just Comsec to Perler, that would be easier. But yeah, the other ones too, like adding in micro investing definitely added to it. But also it was with smaller amounts of money. Like I think my spaceship 
membership one was $9,000. So it's not like I was selling $200,000 to transfer it out. I think if it was a larger amount, I would have planned a bit better around it. Yeah. It depends on how much money you have in each of those. But the moral of the story is uh, you can always change your investing strategy and surely your investing strategy wouldn't be the same at age 20 as it would be at 40. So that's just life. Microinvesting has its place. Yes. But you can always move out of it. Yeah. And finally, the last one, realizing what is really important to us. Sometimes it's not actually about the money. Yes. Everything is kind of hinged on money because money is related to our life, but life is so much more important than that. I went to a random talk in Sydney a few months ago by Robert Waldinger. He did the happiness study. He's the director of the largest longitudinal happiness study in the world based at Harvard. Um, And he was talking about how the biggest predictor of happiness is actually your relationships. So even they went through they have so much information on people. It's pretty wild. Um, so it started out with people, I think, in like the 1930s. And then they followed their kids and their grandkids as well. And they look at everything. They know so much about them. And they used to even measure their skull size, which is quite interesting because I thought maybe that would mean something in the future, but it doesn't now. Um, but yeah, after all of that data, they found that the biggest predictor of happiness is the quality of your relationships. So that, like, I think that means... I think that rings true for a lot of us. Like it definitely is for me. I've spent a lot more time this year flying home to see family and friends and visiting friends in other states and putting a lot more emphasis on that this year. I also agree. I think relationships are a big one. I'm really great that I have an amazing partner. Um, you know, I think that's like a big indicator of both your happiness and your financial success in life. So that's really important. But just being far away from family, especially at like hard times has been hard. I'm so grateful for connecting with people online and just being able to like kiss my kids goodnight. Like it's, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm appreciating those moments more and more when you see what's happening in the world, when you feel so disconnected or far away or helpless and just being able to value those moments that you have with people and just really nurture those relationships. Because if you don't, as I've learned in life, if you don't nurture the friendships and the relationships you have, they won't continue to be there. So making time for the people we love, making time for passion projects and things that excite us and make us happy is just a huge part of, I think, the learning of this year as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We just want to say thank you for joining us this year. It's been a very fun and exciting journey um, and we really appreciate your time listening to it and sharing it with your friends and family. And if you do want an actionable step, even though we don't really have one for this episode, is write down some of the things you've learned this year. And if you want to do what I do every single year is even just write down some of your accomplishments. And they might be as small as learning to make sourdough bread, which actually is not that small. It's actually pretty hard. Mm, But just, yeah, just writing down your accomplishments is a really great way to round off the year. I do it every year and I think it is so helpful to look back you know, a few years from now and be like, wow, look how far I've come from five years ago when my accomplishment was, you know, to, to ask for a raise, you know, it's a really great way to celebrate your life. I think we can get really stuck on what's the next biggest thing. And definitely for me as well. So it's really good to acknowledge where you've come from and what you've achieved. And yeah, that's a great idea. Well, thanks for joining us. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review, or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420-367. 
and Perla, who is an authorised representative, 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 